Get a jump start on 2024 in a new Kia from Robert Brogdon's Olathe Kia. Shop their large selection, including the new Sorento, Nero, and Soul models. You'll score big with low prices, trade assist cash, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit OlatheKia.com. The Zone with Jason Anderson. The fact is you're never going to make everybody happy. The only way to build true consensus is to tick everybody off. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 810 WHB. While we were overlooking the parade on Wednesday, the first time the Lombardi Trophy entered our field of view... I said on air that I was excited to bring it up with Kendall Gammon on Friday. Kendall Gammon joins us now here in the zone. I'm Joshua Briscoe. Beers McFly to the side of the glass. Jason Anderson out today. And Kendall, I imagine you could probably guess the person who was hoisting the Lombardi as they drove past us that made me very excited to bring it up with you when we got a chance to talk today. I'm trying to think. Uh, do tell. The one, the only, James Winchester hoisting it, hoisting the trophy off the front of his bus for Chiefs Kingdom to rejoice to. I, uh, I really enjoyed a little long snapper highlight right in front of us as we broadcasted from down there. I like that, and I'm sure he appreciates you uh, alluding to that being his bus. That's outstanding. It was the specialist's bus, so he yeah. and, uh, and Butker and Townsend were taking their turns with the trophy, and they eventually, you know, lateraled it back around. But, uh, man, what, a, uh, what an absolutely buck-wild Super Bowl, Kendall. How did, you, uh, how did you experience that one from wire to wire before we get into kind of the nitty-gritty of it? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, certainly uh, the first half was kind of rough to watch, but I was actually encouraged because... I felt like the Chiefs didn't do a lot, and they were still in the game, and and just kind of felt like they were going to make some adjustments in the second half. And I'm going to tell you that second half, offensively, uh, for Kansas City is, I mean, that's a Rembrandt in, in my opinion. That was impressive, and I don't want to I don't want to take anything away from the defense. They kept uh, the Chiefs in the game the first half, and they just played some really really good ball. So, I mean, you're the Super Bowl champs. You win. There's a lot of good things to talk about in all three phases of the game one. Yeah, and how, how cool is that from all of the times that we spent talking this year, rightfully so, right, about the issues the special teams were having, about seeing where the defense might end up and, and this new-look offense where it really was a, a three-phase game. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you start with special teams if you have any uh, extra thoughts on what we saw with Harrison Butker having the, uh, you know, the issues of, and the, going back to the field that, that took his ankle back in Week 1, the slippage that everyone was suffering through in that game, and then there to, uh, to ice it at the end where the whole operation looked clean Kadarius Tony's punt return that that had to make you as a uh, as a, as a pro bowl special teamer uh, had to make you feel pretty good about how this team ended on that side of the ball this year yeah it really did and it was a flawless operation and you know it, obviously Harrison would have liked would have liked to have made that first kick it hit the, the pole so off just a bit but to, to have the the ability to come back and hit the game winner and you know, I say all the time when I was snapping and for the kicking and everything that it doesn't matter what point of the game is, it's still the same kick. It's still eight yards that you're snapping it. You're still setting it down. And that is true. Uh, but you've got to understand the gravity of the situation, which is this is the win the Super Bowl. And uh, they did a nice job. And it is. It's good. Dave Tobe had a, so many different times sat in his office and talked. And this is a good dude. Um, he's one of the best. And you got to love the fact that things didn't go well this year, and he would sit there and he would answer everything, and I thought he answered it pretty truthfully. 
uh, even when maybe it would invite people to have a little more criticism. But I, I felt like he tell, told you how it was, and and you're right. Uh, just so many good things about that. Kadarius Tony, what he did, and I mean, even even getting on one uh, on one uh, punt, which I felt like uh, we touched, and so he uh, he did some good things. He, you talk about a strong pickup in, during the middle of the season. And he already, I don't know if you've seen, uh, already has a massive Chiefs logo and Super Bowl champions tattoo now on his uh, on his rib cage. I saw that this morning where it feels like he's uh, he's embraced the Chiefs just as much as they've embraced him, which which makes me really happy. Um, on the uh, the moment of, you know, uh, the idea of you're still snapping the ball and setting it down and kicking it, that that's all well and good. But like you alluded to, there, there's still a lot of gravity in that moment. Can you can you help put us into that headspace at all of when you do have one of those snaps that means a little more if it's the end of a game if it's a big game whatever it is that is there just is it muscle memory do you have that thought when you're standing over the ball of like all right don't bleep this one up or or is that is that out of your head by that point that's generally out of your head at least it was mine and you know what you're always working for uh, in sports in general but certainly in the in the special game special teams games and the kicking is unconscious competence, which is you don't have mm. to think about it. Your body, you, you, the body, the, the, the muscle memory, very much like golf. And so when you get in those those uh, pressure situations, your body knows what to do. Now, in football, snapping a ball, my body knew what to do. In golf, not so much. So <laughs> uh, kids were glad I played football for a living because we would have been starving as a pro <laughs> golfer. But that is what you that's what that is what you try to do, and and that's why you work so hard to get it ingrained in your system. Uh, then from the uh, the other sides of the ball, you said it was a Rembrandt offensively in that second half. We, we've talked certainly about some of the scouting and the coaching and execution that went into it, but but what was so clear to you that, that made it obvious that there was art being made in those last 30 minutes? Well, the, the two touchdowns uh, where they were running the, the zip motion, which is the wide receiver coming in towards the, towards the center, and then right as the defense is bouncing it and trying to shift who's guarding who, uh, they snap it on, on cue when they need to. And then Kadarius, or, or I think Sky Morrow, yep. more the other side, yep. you know, making that pivot and going the other way and, and catching a touchdown without anybody within 10 or 15 yards of, around them. It was phenomenal. When I saw that, I was just like, okay, that, that was genius. And at the time, I was thinking, surely this, surely this has been done before, but that was fabulous. And what we've heard is, yeah, it has been done before. They've seen it. Uh, for some other teams, but uh, again, that that shows you the X's and the O's of what goes on in football. And I've I've always said this, which is uh, in football and and everything that coaching wise, I feel like Andy Reid's playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers. It's so interesting too because I think that that's a part of the game that that generally I think it's gotten better over the last few years. But you, you'll know better than I would. But I I feel like that is a part of it that a lot of fans and a lot of us in media even don't spend enough time trying to understand better. Even things like Andy Reid's first fifteen being like an information gathering mission in addition yeah. to trying to score like that kind of stuff. I think probably goes under the radar more than it should. Yeah, it does. And, you know, first fifteen they are designed to score, but more importantly, they're designed to as you said, to see what the defense or the offense is going to play, depending on which side you are. And each position coach has something that they're watching for to see how uh, their opponent is going to deal with certain things. And then that information, you see the coaches writing down. They're writing down things on what they've seen or what they're getting communicated to 
uh, through their, their headphones, and now they've got that information for later on. So more than likely, maybe talked about it, I haven't seen it, but uh, Andy, Andy knew what type of coverage and how they were going to play things once they got in the red zone, uh, and more importantly, probably within about the 10-yard line um, of the goal line in terms of how the defense was going to bounce coverages and how they were going to deal everything. And it worked out that way, and, and that's what made it look so easy. And that's, why, that's really what made it so easy was they just out-schemed them. Which is, I just have to imagine, such a, a crazy thing to be able to do at that level in the biggest game where everyone's been dialed in for two weeks trying to either make that happen or, or prevent that from happening to you. Uh, where where do you see... Where do you see the evolution of, of that offense going now as as we have experienced different iterations of it over these last few years? Like, I don't want to go all the way to free agent previews or any of that, but with what we saw from Mahomes, what we've seen from, from how this offense looked, even as it sounds like Eric Bieniemy is probably going to go to Washington and perhaps Matt Nagy returns to the uh, OC job, what do you think we've learned about, about this offense this year? Well, what I'm going to tell you, I think most people know, and I know you and Jason have talked about it, which is... Uh, it's Patrick Mahomes that makes it go. And yeah. certainly Kelsey to a degree also. But Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to have, you know, the top receivers in the game. It's nice if he does. Uh, but the other intriguing part about the NFL is the business side of it and the salary cap. And you have to manage it when you've got a, a QB who's very well paid and should be. And quite honestly, at this point in time, is probably underpaid, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, then you have to understand that you've got other places that you've got to have younger guys step up. And I think what Patrick does is make uh, people look better than they are. Mm. And I don't mean that as an, as an affront to the people themselves, but he's able to get people the ball when they need to. He's getting through his, his reads. I know there, there's a lot made of Tyreek going and, and all this and, you know, see the shows you and whatever, but I, I don't look at it that way. It's like Ty- Tyreek decided to go somewhere and get paid a little bit more and had his issues, but I, I didn't see it as a contentious situation. It just happens in the NFL. I, I promise you this, I, I will never go away from this thought, which is if Tyreek had not won a Super Bowl yet, he would not have taken that deal because mm. everybody knows your best chance to get a Super Bowl right now is going through Kansas City. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, and I'm uh, on some level, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know how much this can ultimately end up being a thing. But when you talk about, hey, your best chance to win a Super Bowl is in Kansas City, I'm sure that's a perk for a lot of guys, right? And you want to, especially if you're catching passes from Patrick Mahomes, that's got to be great for your career. But in, in your experience, both from your time and then also, you know, knowing the the players in the league now to some extent, and kind of the the attitude of how the NFL works behind the scenes. What is the the pull of saying, hey, come play with Patrick Mahomes. Maybe we can't pay you quite as much. Because I know there aren't a bunch of guys out here taking super huge discounts to try to, to try to ring chase. So how do you think that, that ends up balancing out? Uh, you know, you just have to look at each and every deal uh, separately. I'm probably not going to give you a great answer. You just understand. I don't even think you have to say it. You just... You just basically, you know, uh, frame it as, you know, we've got a certain amount allotted for these positions. Uh, we, we think your client, if you're, if they're talking to the agent, makes sense here. If you want to go this way, we understand to a degree that you might get more, uh, somewhere else. So it, it, it becomes an idea of, of what do you want? What are you looking for? Uh, make, make no mistake also is people in the NFL, uh, they're aware of not only you know, the, the, the fact that you have a chance to win, but they're aware 
of the Hunt family and how they run the, the mm. organization in a certain way. And they're also aware of how Chiefs' kingdom is and how they support their team and how e- much easier it is to play in Arrowhead uh, as the home team. And they also become aware of what a great place Kansas City is to live. You have so many players who pass through here, go somewhere else, and they end up coming back to Kansas City. You know, I was in uh, Phoenix Wednesday through through Monday, and you know, I was around some guys that you know talk about that as well and their their time there and how much they loved it. And I've been around some people who came back. It's it's uh, uh, it is the perfect storm to a degree. Hmm. I hope we see that turning into some some tangible things for this team going forward, especially you know the success of a guy like Kadarius Tony, Juju Smith Schuster yeah. in this one year. I mean. It, it would be a heck of a place to, to get a new spark in your career, every free agent wide receiver. I'm just just putting that out there. Just, just putting it out there, absolutely. It's uh, Kendall Gammon on with us here in the zone. Joshua Briscoe and Beards with you. Jason will be back in on Monday. Uh, Kendall, we, we've talked about what the offense and, and special teams did. And you mentioned you know the defense. It's, it's funny. We've been having this conversation all week that they gave up 35 points. And I think they had a really good game. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the '85 Bears, but the Eagles' offense looked tremendous. The defense scored seven of their own, and and they got off the field in a few key times. Uh, is that outrageous to you? The idea they gave up 35 points and, and honestly played pretty well? No, it's it's not outrageous. I thought they did a good job, and and I mean, Philadelphia is in the Super Bowl for a reason. They they're a good team. They were certainly the class of the NFC. And they had good players, and they showed it. And I think, really, this is where you saw the experience shine through. Let's be honest, though, also. This game could have gone either way. It went oh, each yeah. way uh, for certain way, reasons, but it could have gone either way. And uh, when it came down when it came down to it, though, uh, the defense made it made a difference when they needed to. And just the fact that they, you know, they picked up a touchdown, so you might as well erase that one from the other side. Yep. So they did some really great things, and potentially – you know, arguably had a second. I, I thought it was probably an incomplete ball also, so I thought it was probably the right call. Uh, but that could have gone either way also. Um, what did you think about the playing surface in particular? That's something that uh, we've talked about, the kicking game and all of that. We've heard a lot of guys talk about their various issues with it. What were you seeing there um, with, with the fact that the Super Bowl field was, was kind of a slip and slide at times? I thought that was sad. I don't understand how that happens uh, when you've got time to prepare. I know they replaced the field and and they had everybody work on it. it. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know if we're going to get any uh, real true answers. Uh, I know everybody's down on on field turf, or you know, that's the the, the brand name, but mm-hmm. the synthetic turf the way it is. But I know there is a new product uh, that's down uh, up in the stadium in Minnesota that has had significantly less injuries, and they have a certain padding underneath everything hmm. that's been engineered to help out. And and so I. Where, like everybody says, because of the disparity in the injuries, uh, I'm not sure how much of that is absolutely true. And I'm hearing it's only three years, uh, three years, so the sample size isn't as big as they would like. But I, I spoke to some folks while I was in Phoenix, and they met, and it was some some turf people uh, that actually installed that build. And uh, right now, the view, reviews on that turf, which is synthetic, uh, up in Minnesota, is very good and performing as well as grass. So if that holds true, then you may see something else go that way. I liked the, the, the turf because I knew exactly what I was going to get, yeah. but you know, I'm being selfish. I, I wasn't cutting on it. I, I've never run fast enough to cut uh, quick <laughs> enough to, to actually hurt a knee, so I never had to deal with that. 
Kendall Gammon with us here in the zone. Um, I, I am interested what you think about Eric Bieniemy. Uh, again, looking like he's on his way to Washington. We, we've talked plenty about all the reasons this might end up being the, the path for him. But his time in Kansas City, what, what we've seen from him in this offense, uh, the schematic things that we've talked about that certainly he was a large part of from what Andy Reid told us. Uh, if, if this was the end of, of EB's time in Kansas City, uh, how, will, uh, how will you remember his impact on what this offense has looked like over the last five years? Well, make no mistake. He had an impact on it. The only thing you're going to say, and you have to say, is for the most part, you know, Big Red play, called the plays with the exception of when maybe um, he, he let them have a few series or even games when uh, it, it made sense for certain things. But, um, I mean, he's watching film. He's developing concepts. He's, he's helping out with things. Um, but I, I think he's always going to get overshadowed, and rightly so, uh, by what I think is one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of the NFL, Andy Reid. So it makes perfect sense to me that if he wants to be a head coach, uh, that and he's he's wanted to get some credit for being the offensive coordinator, but that apparently he's got to to go somewhere else and and do everything on his own, like it sounds like he's considering. That being said, I'm surprised he hasn't really got gotten a job in the last few years. But yeah. you know, crazier things have happened. So. Uh, it will be interesting to see if he takes that job. And from what I'm hearing, that sounds like that's the way they're moving. And, and that'll just be another intriguing thing that I will watch next year uh, is to see how he does with everything as well. What are you looking forward to in terms of uh, what the uh, the offseason may hold for the Chiefs? Uh, again, not that we've got to go up and down the depth chart or anything like that, but um, things that you're you're excited to kind of see where they go is this team has a lot of pieces that will, will definitely be locked in for the next few years. And um, just just sort of what the evolution of the squad might look like as they as they attempt to, uh, as we've said in the past, run it back. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Well, first and foremost, I'm excited about the draft in general because it's in Kansas City yeah. the fact that that they're going to be the reigning champs and everything. But, uh, uh, you know, as I, th- I, th- I think about it, I- I'm curious what they do on the defensive line side of things, certainly with, mm-hmm. with Chris Jones and, and maybe Shrill, uh, trying to bolster that up a little bit more as well. And then you've got to w- wonder about the offensive line and the tackle situation and just how they deal with it. I, you know, the offensive line played great, but it's how do you, how do you deal with things? Um, you know, the only constant change, uh, constant is change in the NFL, so you know there's going to be things. But uh, this team is put together pretty well, and it's put together pretty well with a lot of young guys who uh, are pretty favorable to the cap. And yeah. that being said, you're going to have to make some tough decisions, certainly, Frank, and, and what you do with Chris and, and how you prorate things out. So uh, th- this is not the best thing about the NFL, but it is a fun thing about the NFL, having to figure out the cap and, and figure out how you do things uh, within that. And then also it makes it more competitive as some guys just decide to go to other places that have money to pay. And, and now the competitive nature of the league in general, which is what the NFL was, continues to stay the same. I'm glad you mentioned the O-line because I, I, I did need to ask you about that with the performance we saw. It was zero sacks. And I think by our friend Seth Kaiser starting, it was like six total pressures in that game, which is just absolutely wild. Um, again, schematically, you can give some credit to, to what the Chiefs did to give some help to their guys, but Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley in that game Total total bookends against a pass rush that that even as a guy who picked the Chiefs to win that game, I thought that that the pass rush was a, was one place where the Eagles might be able to turn the tide, and the Chiefs dominated that matchup. Oh, we may have, that was I heard a little pop noise and then no, nothing yeah, from over. Oh, there we go. Sorry, Kendall, we lost you there for a second. I uh, and then I, I started was. talking over you. 
Are you there? Sorry. Yeah, we got you now. Yeah, we got you back. Okay, goodness. Sorry about that. You're you right. can't overstate how big a deal that was, uh, offensive line-wise. And I've just got to think that, that, once again, probably Andy Heck, offensive line coach for the Chiefs, and, and Big Red himself went and challenged the O-line. So basically, dude, guys, this is on you. You you are going to make the difference in this game. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely what they did. I guess the defense in, in Philadelphia that was fabulous. So, um, I loved it. I loved the shirts that Creed had on mm-hmm. and some of the other guys with the zero stacks and everything. Um, just, just awesome and, and just so happy for them. Uh, well, Kendall, we'll get you out of here on this. What are what are you looking forward to for yourself in the uh, the upcoming off season? What can we uh, you know hope to just to just see on the, the the Kindle game and Twitter feed or something like that? Some some fun that you might have planned for the next few months before football gets back around. Oh man, I don't know. I, I would assume. Uh, just to monitor it and troll and, and try to be as smart ass as much as possible because I am convinced that's what the internet was, was made for was to, was to have fun and, and for folks who, who have people go after them or whatever uh, simmer down just just understand people are having a good time and everybody's allowed their opinion and just enjoy with it but I'm just looking forward to the offseason moves that we see in Kansas City looking forward to the draft and it's kind of funny before you uh, before you called with this I was just thinking that it's like okay how long until the NFL season starts again <laughs> you know <laughs> kind of where I'm out of things me too uh, well Kendall we, it has been an absolute joy no exaggeration this is not just for, for the radio pleasantries but it has been a joy to have you on the show with us this season uh, it is it always uh, gives me a laugh to uh, occasionally get a text from you uh, just commenting on something dumb we've done between these hours of 10 and 2 so uh, I hope to hear from you plenty even as uh, basketball and baseball take over for a little while and I, uh, I certainly hope you'll uh, you'll have us back in your life again next season Absolutely. I appreciate appreciate the kind words. And if you say something silly, I will definitely text you. <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll appreciate it every time. Kendall Gammon here with us on The Zone, a, uh, a pro bowler and a pro bowl fella as well. I am a huge, huge fan of uh, of Kendall Gammon. And, I, and that's only only increased many fold over the course of this season. So uh, really appreciate, again, him spending this time with us. It, it really is just every once in a while we'll say something and I'll look over at my phone and I'll just see a text from Kendall about just some dumb thing we've said and it just brightens my day so uh, you can you can follow him across socials and uh, hopefully we'll we'll get to connect with him again shortly maybe we'll find an excuse to bring him back on around the draft or something as well because it's always a good time uh, I'm Joshua Briscoe and not Jason Anderson uh, I usually sit in that chair over there but I'm in this chair here today because Jason is out and uh, Beers McFly though on the other side of the glass as always so things are you know functionally stable, at least to its usual extent. We'll take a break. Uh, Mick Schaefer of KSHB 41 will join us later on in the show. We got sad fans on Reddit. Super Bowl edition! It's done, right, Beards? It's, it is in the oven, or it is out of the oven? It has been completed. Can I ask uh, how, how long this edition of Sad Fans is? Uh, I think it's almost like seven minutes. Oh, look at that. A nice a tight seven to celebrate yeah. Super Bowl 57. Beards, I know you did that on purpose, and I just wanted to congratulate you on that great bit. Yes. Is it like six minutes and 57 seconds? No, I think it was over seven. Let me look. Over, just over 57. Let's see. Got to find my folder. Yeah, I could have I could have just let that one go and thrown the break probably. Uh, now we're here. But now we're Let's here. No, now we have to sit in it. Is. Sad fans. This is like copy. This is like rubbing a dog's nose and it's pee on the carpet. It's like you did this and you have to sit here and smell it. It is seven minutes and 19 seconds long. Super Bowl. Okay, hold on. Canary's so, Tony scored touchdown. Touchdowns are, touchdowns are worth? Seven points. Six points and an extra point. 
Do you know how long Kadarius Tony's touchdown reception was? Just sitting here, being like a yard, being forced, being forced to just just smell the stench of all of this. Hey, speaking of smelling the stench, Mick Schaefer's here. Hey. Uh, it was. Uh, let's see. That's uh, Sky Moore's touchdown. Kadarius Tony's five yards. Beards like you just like you said five nineteen. Yeah, we should have just left it at Super Bowl 57, I suppose. We'll talk to Mick Schaefer. Again, Sad Fans is about uh, about 30 minutes away. But Mick, he just won commercial break away. We'll talk to him next. The Zone with Jason Anderson. Hey, I'm Mick Schaefer. I was in the lake this weekend. <laughs> I don't like fish. Hey, Mick. So, um, not even like shrimp or anything? No, I don't like shrimp and none of that. Hmm, interesting. Like mm, I hate scallops. my family. And fish. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Mick Schaefer, KSHB 41, is with us. I don't know why Lebo came in here during the break, but he always comes in like 30 seconds before we come back. He's got to figure out this radio thing. Lebo, did you need something? You think like decade number four in the business. That's really when it starts to come together, I think. Yeah, I think that's it. The fourth decade's when it really... That's what I'm hoping, because I am no better at any of this than I was. Lebo's in his sixth decade of life. I bet I bet he loves having it framed that way. That's what I always tell people when they're like when they just turn twenty nine. Yeah. Or thirty nine. I'm like, Yeah. You know you're in your thirtieth year of life. Nah. And then I explained to him, like, you weren't born one, you were born zero. Yeah. Right? You had to complete a year before you became one. So you've completed twenty nine years of life. Okay. It's not like you're starting your twenty ninth year. You've completed twenty nine years. Yeah. You're on your thirtieth year of life. So really ages are years completed. Yeah. Not not still pending, I guess. Yeah. Then there's the whole thing of like, you know, twenty twenty was actually the last year of the teens. Okay, now explain that one to me. Or I guess it would go go the other way, right? Or was 2012 the first year of the teens? Well, no, no, that's a bad example for for decades. I would agree that 2020 basically didn't count. Like, we can, more or less, most of us, I think, kind of wrote that one off as, like, not a year that didn't really happen. The first day of the new millennium was January 1st, 2020, or 2001. Wasn't 2000. The first day of the new millennium was January 1st, 2001. Okay. You had to complete that 2000th year. So it was really, Y2K was about getting through the last millennium. So it's the opposite of how you were born. Yeah. There wasn't a year zero, right? Right. Not that we were counting at the time. I don't know. Look, I mean, as far as I know, the, the world began 2,023 years ago. That is as far as my brain can comprehend. The best, uh, Louis C.K. has a great skit. A great set on this. He's like, uh, what was it like when it was like the year negative four? That'd be very or, confusing. Or, or, or like the year five. Wait, what year is it? It's year five. I'm 38. How's that possible? <laughs> what do you, how did this happen? Or it's, it's a year, it's, uh, it's, year, it's year minus t- negative 10. Next year's negative. Oh, oh, oh crap. What are we counting down to here? Um, you think Jesus started getting worried around like yeah. negative two? It's like, what's, hey guys. Yeah, hey, so I've like, been pretty important, but I don't love where this is going. 1990 was the last year of the 80s. It's the 10th year. 
You're really, you're really freaking really my bean right now, man. No, you might. Like I'm not. It. I'm not saying you're incorrect. I'm <laughs> saying I'm. You're bringing some really challenging ideas, and honestly, like at this point, I'm just needing like a warm hug of like a familiar friend, like. The kind you could get at Atomic Cowboy Sports Saloon. <laughs> As seen on Food Network, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and Man vs. Food Baby, you can get it at, tw- at uh, 42nd in Pennsylvania in Westport. Fat Sully's, uh, Atomic Cowboy, uh, uh, it's Fat Sully's and uh, Denver Biscuit Company in the uh, morning. Fat Sully's in the night, and I just love the whole I love the whole thing. It doesn't matter what year it is at Atomic Cowboy. I love your segues. We didn't do like a remote there, and it doesn't have to be like a scheduled thing where salespeople make a ton of money. Let's just go. <laughs> Let's just I'm ready, go. dude. Let's go now. Beards, will you host the rest Every, of the show? Yes. I'm going with y'all want biscuits. That's a good point. That can be our Friday thing. Just, I would love there. that. Let's just go. We can we get maybe we get I, a so table. I, I've seen the equipment. I know how to set it up by now. Yeah, yeah. yeah here's me too. what we'll do. We'll just yeah. It'll be um we play sad fans right now. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. Program gets seven minutes, then they can oh, start. Yeah. They I'm sure start, sad fans like an hour. hour. Yeah, they start an hour and a half early. We'll call it good. Or how about this, Beards? There's a loop button on the on the computer in there, so you could just hit the loop button, hit space bar, start sad fans, and just let it run until Adam walks in there. Then he can stop it and the program can start. And we can be having biscuits. Yeah, that works. and pizza. That works because it's a it's like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Um, I uh, We were talking in the break when you got here. I wanted to exchange parade stories. I wanted to hear about your time in Arizona. But I asked if you had heard what my parade story was. So I'm going to try to get the Cliff's Notes version of it out there. Were you one of the guys like up on the stoplight? I wish I would have been. No, you um, and if I... I do. <laughs> Compared to where I ended up, I, I do think I wish I was on top of a stoplight. So I I get to uh, our parking spot that we're, you know, us 810 folks are in, and we've got kind of like an 810 party little area, you know, that's that's right there on, on one side of Grand. I walk over there, say, I get my little wristband, you know, check in with everybody, and uh, Stephen informs me, or someone informs me that Stephen is not being allowed to cross the street, to or wasn't allowed to cross the street to go over and uh, do the Border Patrol from where we're broadcasting from over at Record Bar. It is two buildings down and across the street. Yeah, that street was uncrossable. If they, that street was grand. They that street was grand and that street was was deemed uncrossable before uh, I think somebody said like two and a half hours before they originally planned to make that street uncrossable. So not to be confused with Jason's favorite lunch. And uncrossable. So I uh I try to get through that no, we're not letting anybody through. So I'm trying to figure it out. Lebo's like, hey, if you go down to 20th, you can get, there's the lofts down there. You can, there's like a, a walkway kind of underneath or whatever. So I go, all right, fine. I'm bleeping walking. So I walk down there and I, I hit every fence. I, I am, I am inching along that entire like block pat from 20th to 22nd, basically. Is there anything here? I walked down to fences with barbed wire at the top of them. There was one fence that in retrospect, I wish I just would have jumped and then just risked it all to see because the, the, my leverage, I, I would have survived that one. I don't think I would have impaled myself on it. Didn't happen. I'm asking, hey, is there a way to get under here? Is this open anywhere? Nobody's got anything for me. I just keep going. I get down from 16th to like down past past all of that by another couple of blocks. And a guy, I say, where I've come from and where I'm trying to get back to at this point, it's about 9.45. I've been walking for half an hour, and the show starts at 10. Jason, meanwhile, arriving later than me, 
got the news, do not park on that side of the street because you cannot cross. So the late bird gets the worm. Jason's there at 955. (laughs) At 955, I am near Union Station. Because somebody had told, one of the cops had told me, I told him where I was going, they went, you just holy bleep. around the hole. I went all the way down to the, the field area, you know, but from the Union Station up to the memorial. I run into some speakers and then have to uh, do another little UE and, and take that again. My shoes still have the mud on them from this moment. I walk all the way, you know, on the slanted hill, about halfway between the stage and the World War I Memorial. I go around Union Station, down through the parking garage, and at this point, I am like, my blood sugar is low, my morale <laughs> no. is even lower. It's 10.30. It's bit. It is tough. I try to order an Uber. Can I have an Uber get me to the other side of the street and take me yeah, around? Right. Absolutely not. No connection. No Was way to Jason get to me. Jason all right having enough words to say? No microphone by himself? Mercifully, I knew that the show would be in good hands. Mercifully, I knew that there would be words spoken on air during that time. So I eventually end up going down the Broadway Bridge. I am a salmon swimming upstream. I am a moron because there are <laughs> thousands of people flowing my direction. I am pushing the other way. I eventually turn the corner and then trek my 10 blocks or whatever back, back down up. the record bar. Get there at about 1130. And then from there on out, the parade was great. The show was fun. We had a great time. So you walked for over two hours. I walked for uh, about 90 minutes. It was a total of uh, five miles and change to cross the street. You got there at 1130? I got I got into record bar at at about eleven twenty five and I left the other side of the street at about nine fifteen. Like five minutes ago in the story, you were it was like nine fifteen. It was you it was walking. I it thought. was it was nine fifteen when I arrived at the yeah. It was very very. It was close to two hours. I don't remember. Yeah. My Apple Watch at one point was like, "Are you doing an outdoor uh, exercise walk?" And I was like, "I might as well track it." So I think their final number their there was Apple Watch was is about a weird voice. Ninety. Yeah, it's Siri is is different on my phone. Uh, it's a knockoff. <laughs> it's just like, hey, I'm Siri. Are you outside right now? Um, but yeah, so that was my parade experience. It was really, really bad. And then the last like two and a half hours were great. Listen, uh, a parade I've learned is something that you just want to be able to say you're at because it is a giant pain in the ass. <laughs> Unless you are on the buses like a player or like staff and you don't have to worry about transportation or really the weather outside for the most part, mm-hmm. then it's a giant pain in the ass. <laughs> Everybody thinks so. I mean, everybody's like, let's go to the parade. And then, okay, it takes you an hour yeah. to drive down there. Normally it would take you 20 minutes. Then you walk for another half hour from wherever you parked. You're just praying that you don't get towed. <laughs> and then you get to a position uh, four rows deep uh-huh. on the parade. And it's 6 a.m. Because yep. there were crazies that got there at 10 p.m. the night before. Yes, I saw someone tweet a, a spot they were camping at from by the stage. Yeah, by the stage. Dedication. Huh? Unreal. We, I mean, we're walking by there at like 6.45, 7 o'clock in the morning. You're like, what would you guys get here? 10. I'm like. Wait, wait a second. Ten? That's a PM, oh, I guess. Oh my goodness, man! And so, and then you get there, and then you wait for six hours in the cold. And this was this was tropical compared to the last parade. Yes, it was like it was twenty degrees, degrees warmer. warmer. Hey, look at us. And so, and then you sit there and you just hate life for <laughs> six hours because you're like. I should have brought two more layers. I'm yeah. like, oh, we're good here. But you don't realize just standing in the cold for that long, how much colder it gets, how much the cold seeps into your bones, and how much you just want to straight up murder people like Jason <laughs> Anderson and Sam Mellinger. Like, oh, I would rather it be 20 degrees. 
The 90 degrees. I would rather it be 20 degrees than 90 degrees. I'm so much smarter than you. I've thought this out. I've got all these reasons. Die. Just die. So there's that. And then Patrick Mahomes wheels by you for a total of like, I don't know, 45 seconds. He peed in front of us. He went into the porta potty. Oh, that's awesome. He went into the porta potty in front of us. I tweeted out a video that has made its rounds, and then because when he came out, uh, ovation. Yeah. It was like he had just scored. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and then he went straight back to the high five line on the other side. I do not think there was probably a hand washing station a in there. Sanitized. I don't think anybody cared. <laughs> I don't think good. anybody cared. People wanted. This, I got Pat's dirty hands. This joke has been made before, but I'll make it again. No one was afraid of the MVP. It's pretty good. I also assume he's inaccurate. You know, I can't so. wait to go skiing next and wear my goggles like he was wearing them all day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the newest trend. Did you get Oakley goggles from Mahomes at any point? Everybody else, it seems Oakley like Oakley sent me um, shades. I got three Oakley, really? like big old wraparound, big old obnoxious uh, Patrick Mahomes shades. Oakley, what is it? What is it going to take? How how do I not? How do I get in on this? Oh, like you don't. Well, I think it's the NFL Black Book, right? So they basically look at all the media in there, and I got no less, and I'm not even exaggerating here, no that less than a thousand emails of from PR companies, people wanting to pitch their stuff. I have a whole gigantic box, probably like uh, uh, 18 inches by 24 inches of Tums. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. It came to me, just Tums. And so there's like three... <laughs> There's three uh, canisters of Tums, and then there's a bunch of Tums swag. So, like, I got Tums coasters. Yes. I got in there a Tums gold chain with a Tums gold pendant that hangs from it. So, like, I want to go out to the club and wear a Tums chain. Please, Forget about the turnover chain. You can have the Tums, Tums chain. chain. That's you're like the only person in my life that I know that would wear it. Please wear it Monday and don't explain it to don't explain it to Jason. I won't. I want to see it so. This bad. is the type of thing you would get a tattoo of next to your flaming pinecone. That's one hundred percent right. If yeah. Tums was like, "Hey, we'll send you free stuff, and if you got a little tummy ache, we got your answers here for life." I would. I. There, there is a very realistic future in which I offer to get a brand tattooed on me for in exchange for something really, sure, really stupid. Um, in exchange for money would be the money uh, would be great, but uh, Tums in particular is an incredible endorser. That's yeah, like the so. exact type of free stuff that most like that. The Oakleys, Oakleys are expensive. You know that that sounds Those like are, a good each, deal. They're two hundred dollars shades. I got three of them. But the uh, so that's incredible. Already most of the free stuff, most of the free stuff that comes through, I think, is a lot of Tums branded type of thing, and that's yeah. incredible. But I, we wore them on the air for like one of our one of our fifty hits we did during the parade. And, Fantastic. And so yeah, back to it. I mean. Especially if you're a media member for, you know, the home of the Chiefs. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a long day. Yeah. Long, cold day. Got there. It was 7 to 7. There was 7A to 7P. And we had great coverage. I, I, I loved watching it. We have, we're, you know, being home of the Chiefs, we're the only ones allowed inside the railing. And we had two jib Must arms. Have been nice. It was great. You know what jib arms are? Like a, like a mic... No, it's like, like a, the big, long, um, basically hoists 
that have the camera at the end yeah, that'll it, move. Sort of they like got the weights on the, the bottom. Camera, sort of a little so, like, bit. you saw all those sweeping, panning yeah, yeah, camera yeah, sure, shots. That's sure. from a jib arm. So, okay, we got so two of those. Camera crane. Yeah, yeah, camera crane. Okay. Beard's described it better than I did. He's, look, he's, he's got a, you're too deep into the terminology. Right. He's got to get it to the layman. Layman. And, and we had, I mean, 12 different spots along the route, and we had every, like, literally every block covered. We had Mackenzie Nelson, who was up on the 24th floor of Two Lights, <laughs> looking straight down. I was so jealous. She brought, she, she was in somebody's apartment, and they were just kicking, watching, and like once an hour they would go to her. And she would go outside, and she brought peanut butter sandwiches uh, to make it for her and her photographer. I was jealous. She was in the warmth. That sounds like and a And others gig. were. Everybody else pretty much was outside for the whole time. But yeah, glad that's over. <laughs> long story long. <laughs> Glad that's over. Long story long. Glad that's over. The Zone on Sports Radio 810 WHP. You're in the zone. Do you guys want a teaser for the cuts that we'll get to later? <laughs> yes. By chance? Yes. Um, yes. They might or might not involve some McNipples later. Okay. Mick. Mick nipples or a Mick nipple <laughs> with Jason Anderson. Is that like? Uh, a, can I get a? Nipple, a uh, can I get a large unsweetened tea and some Mick nipples? Take a, a six <laughs> or twelve. Take a Big Mac and um, yeah, um, six count uh, honey uh, nipple. Do you want the Mick? Yeah, we'll get two. Let's get two Mick nipples. We got a coupon. Kids? No. Okay. No. No big deal. Nope. All right. Just with honey mustard or sweat with that. Kids <laughs> want a Mick nipple <laughs> on Sports Radio eight ten W. UHB. Well, right before that liner played, I asked Mick if he had any good food in Arizona. Now my appetite <laughs> has been a bit spoilt. Mick Schaefer, KSHB 41 with us here in the zone. Josh Briscoe, Beards McFly, Jason Anderson out today, but three of us are here. What else could you ask for? What was the best thing you ate in Arizona? A lot of In-N-Out Burger. Have we talked about that? We've talked about your rankings. We went through your rankings last time. We did. I uh, we ate there three times. That's you were there for like ten days, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, the three times like in the first two days, and I'm like, okay, we're, we're, that's enough. fine. That's okay. That's, that's a good enough. way to do it. Get we did. The um, you've had. We did like um, some really fancy Mexican food and like some really hole in the wall Mexican food. That's the way to that do it. That was probably man. the best. Oh. Absolutely. Oh. We went, uh, I went to like a, 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 a really nice brewery, had a uh, big old Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Mm. That was pretty good. It's pretty far from Nashville. It is. Say that, but. but it stayed hot. It, so, <laughs> it the Southwest can, do, can have spice translate, I think. I, I would trust their Nashville hot. Uh, did some blue meth. Uh, no, <laughs> that was the state over. That's in New Mexico. That's, that's that was right. a great. Uh, that was a great Super Bowl commercial, though. I thought with, with the the, uh, the chips, the chips, yeah, with the um, the Breaking Bad cast there. That was really good. Um, so yeah, I would say I would say the hole in the wall Mexican food was was the best. Do you have a go to thing you order in a hole in the wall place? Are you asking like a waiter or something? What's your strategy? Just lots of enchiladas, and I want okay. I want the cheese enchilada. I want the chicken. I want the beef. I want it all. Right? Give me the the rice and beans. You want the variety pack, and just keep those chips coming. I'm so hungry, man. <laughs> I love Mexican food so much. It's like some authentic stuff down there. I uh, I've been to Arizona a lot because my my grandparents moved out there when I was pretty little. But now when I think about like, going back out, you know, take another visit, like I just want to turn it into a food tour and then just see if any of the blue meth shows up. Right? Uh, I think ten out of every nine stories Dia did was on food down there. <laughs> God bless her. 
Somebody had to do that tough work. I mean, somebody had to. She had to eat some delicious Mexican. She always brings Mexican. up when we eat it on air, which is great watching yourself eat. I would watch you eat any day, Mick. Appreciate it. Sad fans on Reddit next.